Um, Amen. Yeah, Lord, just also want to pray for um, Parky here. Mm. Um, just pray that you would direct him and speak through him, that you would mute his flesh, um, that he would just speak completely from you, Lord, and that we would be blessed. We'd have open ears from hearing from your word, and um, yeah, that you would be glorified through this today, this morning. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ben. Well, good morning, Willowburn Church. Good morning, saints of the Most High King. Good morning, sons and daughters of God the Father. Good morning, brothers and sisters of Jesus, the precious Saviour and Son. Good morning. Good morning, servant. Yes. Uh, Today I want to talk about before and after. You often see these before and after shows on TV, sometimes to do with home reno, sometimes to do with weight loss, sometimes to do with a beautiful makeover. And I think there's something very attractive about and something intriguing about, oh, this is what it looks like before, or this is what this person looks like before, and what, do, what are they going to look like after? And there's something even kind of retrospectively about looking back and going, wow, what happened before, now look at them. There's something almost miraculous about before and after. So I wanted to talk a little bit about before and after today, but I want to keep on harping on about this question. This is the sixth time I've asked this question now in this series, and it'll be the second last time I ask it, which is, do you want to go deeper? Do you want to go deeper with the Lord? Do you want to... Trust more deeply. Do you want those around you to trust more deeply? This will be the second last time I ask you in this series. And it's a question I just want you to to keep asking yourself. Um, Do you want to hope more deeply? Do you want those around you to hope more deeply? Do you want to love more deeply? Do you want those around you to love more deeply? Kathy's saying, yes, 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 yes amen. <laughs> of course we do. But what is it, when I ask you that, just, let's just be raw with each other, what is it in our hearts, the kind of, it's almost like a, it's hard to describe because it's something that's going on deep within our souls, but it's sort of like a dullness, isn't it? It's like a, it's like, yeah, and maybe it's sort of like I've heard this before, maybe it's like I've tried this before, maybe it's just Adrian going on again, trying to kind of G us up to be good Christians, like, it, it's, it's, you know what I mean? There's something in your hearts that goes, mm, no. Like, am, I, am I off target with that? Like, and maybe, maybe we're just distracted. Maybe we're going, no, you don't know what my life's really like. Maybe um, you, know, you don't know what my family's like. You don't know what's really going on. All this Jesus stuff, yeah, I come here and I get a little bit of a dose of kind of encouragement. Then I'm back into the real world, back into the boring world, back into the world of just mundane, everyday kind of stuff. Like, like is there something like that going on in our souls, my brothers and sisters? It is in mine. I, I was thinking as I was singing such beautiful songs, um, even as I was prepping such magnificent words and, you know, asking myself those questions. And I guess I've always tried to determine, maybe not as well as I should in my heart, that I'm not going to get up here and preach as though I have experienced something that you haven't. I have experienced deep love, deep trust, deep hope, But I want more of it. I have experienced power in the Holy Spirit. 
But, you know, you can ask my wife. I'm like a flip-flopping kind of person sometimes. Sometimes I have these highs and other times there's these just random kind of, maybe they're spiritual attacks, maybe they're just fleshly kinds of things. And I'm just like, God, you seem seem distant right now. You seem unreal. And I know as my mind's going, no, 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 God is still on the throne. Like Like we like to say, God is still powerful and mighty, but... If you ask me in that moment, do you want to go deeper? It's, it's almost an irrelevant question. I'm just surviving right now. You know what I mean? And yet, when I come to the scriptures, my brothers and sisters, I can't help but escape this reality that God is determined that we should go deeper with him. That we should love him more deeply and love each other more deeply. And so today, in terms of that before and after context, what would it look like if it did? If I was to just get up the front here and I could take a spiritual photo of before and a spiritual photo in three, four years or something like that of after, will it be any different? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Like, like there's, you know, I could, I could sort of go into the consequences of if we're not and the dysfunction of sin and how it affects our relationships. I could go into... Um, you know, how, how, how bad it looks when we're Christ followers and yet whatever we're doing seems to so, I don't know, it just makes Christ almost seem in some ways, again, irrelevant. You know, I could go on about that. I don't really want to. I just want to say that God is determined that we should go deeper with him and that we, as a church, as his family, as brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, saints, should be true sons and daughters, should be true saints, should have as the general trajectory in our lives, victory. And what would it look like if you did? A before and after. So this is going to be a before and after sermon, but I just wanted to quickly take us back to last week. And we had three complaints. I don't know for those that were here, if you remember the three complaints. There was the complaint of the windmill. It was a very simple complaint. It was, the wind blows, the wind is strong, it is there, we can see it, or at least see its effects. I don't turn, there must be something wrong with the wind. That was the complaint of the windmill. Then there was the complaint of the hearth, or the complaint of the fireplace. There is fire, there is a little flame, but it never grows, it never is, so, so to speak, fanned into flames, into a, into a burning kind of fire where there's heat. So therefore, there must be something wrong with the fire. And then the third complaint was the complaint of the boat, which is, yeah, the water is out there, there's an ocean, there's rivers, it flows. But this boat won't float because of that big hole in it. So therefore, there must be something wrong with the water. They are three complaints that we went through last week. And... Juxtaposed with that was the three metaphors of the spirit, which funnily enough were wind, um, fire and water. The Bible gives us those metaphors. They're not my metaphors. You can go back to last week. I went into a lot of detail, but in Acts 2, in the day of Pentecost, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind comes. And that was like the ruah in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for wind, air, spirit, bringing life to all peoples. And in a special way here at Pentecost, bringing personal, relational, spiritual, filling life. So we looked at the characteristics of air, wind, breath. 
We looked at the characteristics of fire, energy and light. Remember in Acts 2, the tongues of fire. We looked at some Old Testament pictures of fire, energy, light. Then we looked at the spirit in terms of that metaphorical picture of water, but it was always flowing water like fountains, rivers, not a stagnant pool. We looked at Jesus where he said in John 7, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams, notice that, flowing streams, will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And we noticed there were three characteristics of breath, fire, water. Each of them had these three characteristics, bringing life, enlivening, purifying, and they were sovereign. Each of them in their own way were sovereign. The boat can't say to the water, change your characteristics so that me with my ruptured hull will float. Then I'll get on, on board, I'll get on stream, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. The windmill can't say, wind, change your characteristics to free up my seized, wind, uh, seized gearbox or to reorientate me. And of course, the hearth can't say to the fire, change your characteristics because of my choked up chimney. And so in that way, they were sovereign. And we saw that as a picture of the Holy Spirit who is himself sovereign. God the Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit, and the Spirit is God. The Spirit is the personality of God the Father and of Jesus. And so we don't get to say, okay, you change what you're doing so that then I'll get on board with you. Then there'll be life. Then there'll be power. No, 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 no. We as little windmills, little parable there, little windmills, we must orientate into his sovereign flow. Otherwise, we are powerless. And we've got to answer that question, why no power in our lives? We've got to open up our spirits and the deep part of our souls to go, what is it? Is it really a problem with you, God? When so many times he is saying in his word that he wants us to go deeper. Or if there's no purifying life. Why? Is there a problem with the water, the flow, the wind, the fire? Or is it a problem with us, choked up, unorientated? We really need to ask ourselves that, I think. And we need to ask ourselves whether our lives are lived in accordance with the sovereignty of the Spirit on His terms. Because his word has said, he, God, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through his great and precious promises so that we can participate in the divine nature. That's what Peter tells us. We're going to look more at Peter in a minute with a before and after snapshot. That's what he wrote after. After all these little trials and everything else. He has given us everything we need. So we... We need to look deep inside ourselves and say, do we need to reorientate? And then I came up with this kind of cutesy little thing, triple O, right? Now, you can come up with your own acronym, but the whole point of this acronym, the whole point of this is so that we might have some sort of little memory fixture that we can come back to when we're in the day-to-day -day stuff. Because am I wrong when I say in the day-to-day -day stuff, the joy that you might have here or whatever's going on here, it just seems to have dissipated, evaporated, gone. 
And I just want us to know that in that moment, especially when we look at the before and after, these before and afters are in the everyday. They're not at a church service. We are so fixated on an awesome church service, a wonderful worship time. We might see it on TV with all those big name worship bands and go, that's it. That's the before. No, 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 no. I would like to know how those people go on a Monday morning because that's the real test. And that will be the real Christ on you, kind of glowing, kind of salty, kind of you know, light and salt kind of effect. Real victory there. So anyway, but I don't know, maybe it's the pilot in me, but I need something simple. You know, when, when it all turns ugly in the aircraft, you need something simple that your mind can remember. And so I came up with this triple O, and it might seem a bit cutesy to you, but I really want you to think about in the day-to-day, what do you do to reorientate yourself on God? Or do you just go, no, nah, it's not, not, that, not, that, not that relevant to me right now. We'll pick it up again on Sunday. How might we truly love, serve, grow at Willowburn? I believe it's all a part of orientating. It's all about, about reminding us who we are in the day-to-day of life. It's about reorientating off the festering flesh and its desires and shining in the spirit. With him there is true joy in his presence, pleasures forevermore. So it's about this upwards orientation rather than a selfwards orientation. And the first O was orientate. The second O was? Open up. Awesome. And the third O was? Obey. So we're going to triple O things in the day-to-day. We're going to orientate. We're going to obey. So we're going to open up and obey. And we'll talk just a little bit about those. So when we talk about orientating, what we're talking about is that uh, first or no, second and third sessions we did. Remember of the responsibilities of the Spirit? The main one was to what? Live, depend, pray. And we hyphenated because it was almost like this concurrent kind of thing that was happening all the time. Live, depend, pray. Live, depend, pray. Getting cranky with your wife. Getting cranky with your husband. Live, depend, pray. Just a quick, Lord. Lord, it doesn't have to go this way. Lord, would you send the power of your Spirit so that I might work a- a- now and I might live now in the power of your Spirit, not in the power of my flesh. You know, as mums, I just respect you so much because it's such a high calling. I've seen my wife go through that. I've seen so much of the frustrations. She's so capable of so much, and yet sometimes, you know, at home, just the drudgery. But reorientate, live, depend, pray. How you need it in that moment. You know, a magnificent, miraculous sign is so cool, but it's only very, 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 very narrow in terms of time. How much more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness and self-control change in a nappy? You know, in your various workplaces, troublesome clients, troublesome bosses, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness and self-control by living, depending, praying. We've got to reorientate. And then in those moments... As we do that, oftentimes we will see that there is something inside us. Call it the sinful nature, call it dysfunction, call it whatever. But in that moment, we need to open up to what it might be that is going on inside us, what we've latched onto, because the spirit is not just enlivening, he's purifying. And so in that moment, he will show you, is there something within you that everything in your flesh will be going, no, 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 I'm justified. I need, I need to be legitimized here because of my suffering 
and my pain, my boredom or whatever. And so we have the most entitled generation ever. But how would it be if we, as brothers and sisters, as saints, as sons and daughters of the Most High, were to go, you know what? In terms of getting justice right now, I'm going to leave that up to the Lord. He's going to take care of that in due time. That's what Judgment Day is for. Right now, I'm going to open myself up to God and go, what is going on in me? Even if it feels like 99% that person, even if it's just 1%, I'm just going to open myself up to that possibility that 1% needs to change, needs to soften, needs to yield, needs to repent. And then finally, never forget that everything we do in the spiritual will be represented in the physical. That's why we've got this massive Bible with heaps and heaps of things from the Old Testament, pictures, symbols, metaphors, real stories, real lived out metaphors, which are then representing something in the spiritual. That's why you know, we believe in full immersion baptism because you're showing that as you do that, something has happened in the spiritual. It's a spiritual picture that's then played out in the physical. So too, obedience should always then be flowing from the live, depend, pray, orientate, soft, soften, yield, repent, open up to, lived out. Arms and legs lived out. To obey is better than sacrifice. It was so interesting when I was putting this together. You've all heard of Siri. Have you heard of Moira? Of course not. She's just one random voice, um, Irish-American voice uh, within my Mac OS. So I'm, I'm coming up, I'm thinking, oh, triple O, this is good, orientate, open up, obey. And I'm using dictation software now. Makes me more productive, supposedly. So I say to Moira, uh, orientate, she gets that, no worries, obey. She goes, oh, bye. Then uh, I said it again a bit more Clearly, if, if that's possible, with my ochre accent, obey. She goes, bye-bye. <laughs> then I say, obey. She goes, okay. <laughs> like, she, I, I, she, I, I don't know how many times I tried. I tried like 10 times to get her to say, obey. Now, I don't know whether the Apple programmers <laughs> have this thing about their kind of, I don't know, maybe they consider themselves mavericks and they don't, no, I'm not even going to go there. It's just a silly thing. But isn't it interesting that in our society, you say that word obey, isn't there straight away a, maybe not. Because we're all supposed to be independent. We're all supposed to be individuals. But you know what? Like, obedience is such a pure and lovely thing. True obedience, grace-filled obedience to the one who deserves obedience. If you don't obey the road rules, it's not just you that gets smashed up. It's other people. But we're not actually talking necessarily just about obeying God's perfect law. What we're talking about here is obeying the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so in that moment, it might be you do need to repent, you do need to say sorry, or you need to change this pattern of behaviour that you have rationalised and justified. You need to change it. It's going to take some time. You might need some help from the brothers and sisters, but you're going to have to change. It's going to manifest itself in obedience. That's how we triple O things. Jesus himself said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And if you look in John at to what his commandments were, what was the predominant commandment? Remember, this is a bit of revision as well. Believe. 70 or 80 times, believe, trust, depend. That is literally trust and depend. It is literally to hold on to him. That's his biggest commandment all the way through John. Because that then means that we're abiding. That then means that we're connected to 
I believe, the power of the Spirit. So that's how we triple O things. Home, frustration, rising, triple O it. Bored at work, triple O it. Conversationally, it's taken a downturn. You know it's heading towards something you don't want it to go to in your workplace, home place, or wherever. Triple O it. Right now in church, feeling like dry, Adrian's talking again. Triple O it. That's how you orientate. That's how you open up. That's how you obey. That, to me, is functional, existential, and in the moment, Christian living. And it's not for just for Sunday mornings. Orientate, open up, obey, triple O it. The wind blows, the fire burns, the water flows. We need to orientate to that. Orientate to that power. Now imagine, again, what would that look like in the day-to-day? If we were to do a before and after of you and your workplace, your home place, your school place. Do you agree at least with me that it would be different? Cool. <laughs> cool. Because what that means is we're at least partly open to, to wanting to see difference. And so, again, as this dullness or this maybe not comes in, open up. Let's orientate right now. Let's orientate. Father, help us to orientate on you, on what you might have for us in these next few moments. Open up. Open up to the fact that there might be a stronghold in your life. There might be a pattern of thought that the Lord would now like to pierce and change for your own good and for the good of those that are around you. A before and after. Let's start with a troublesome character called Peter. Now, everyone likes to look at Peter and generally people feel that they like him, but I reckon if you were married to him, it would be a nightmare. He'd always be speaking his mind. You'd be sitting in church just thinking, oh, what is he going to say now? As a friend, he'd be that guy that was always just calling it as he saw it. And so clearly he would like, you know, one finger at you, but you'd see the three fingers back. What, what, you're, you're talking to me, Peter? Now, there is a distinct before and after with Peter in Scripture. And Ben took us through it a few months ago as well, a few weeks ago, whenever it was, a few months ago. I just want to give you a couple of snapshots of before. Before what, you might say. We'll get there in a tick. Luke 5, when Simon Peter saw this, this is when he first met Jesus. He fell at Jesus' knees and he says, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. This is a hardened fisherman. He has had his first encounter with the Lord Jesus. I pray that each of you will have an encounter like that where you see him as he really is, not just a man, but as God and so special. He says, I'm a sinful man. So just hold that. Peter, before, sinful man. That literally means full of sin. You know, you look at all those things that represent St. Peter in Rome now. He would be appalled, I reckon. A fisherman with gold and robes and all that rubbish. We really need to pray for Rome, don't we? Pray that, they, pray that that Pope would go back to, go back to, this, this, and look at Peter and go, hang on, hang on, what has happened here? I mean, wouldn't it be cool if you just saw a for sale sign on the Vatican? But <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> oh, that would be so special, wouldn't it? And they're all out, just, they've just given up all their robes and you don't even know where they are. They've just gone off to some village. Some, like, what an awesome testimony. Matthew 15, Peter says, explain the parable to us. Jesus says, 
Are you still so dull, Peter? <laughs> he actually says it to all of them, but Peter's included. Are you still so dull? Are you, are... Jesus constantly calls a spade a spade and a Peter a Peter. Are you still so dull? Because it's for his own good. So, sinful, dull, not that wise. Matthew 14, on the water. Peter gets down onto the boat, out of the boat, walks on the water, but suddenly he sees the wind, he's full of fear, and he sinks. And this is Jesus saying this, not me. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? So Jesus seems very interested in what our faith levels are. We often go, oh, well, Jesus loves me, even though my faith's pretty pathetic. That's true, but because he loves you, he wants you to go deeper with your faith. He's going, why, why do you doubt? Peter, you have little faith. Sinful, dull, not much faith. Matthew 16, Peter took him aside. He's had the highest of highs there. He's proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. Next thing he hears, Jesus is going to the cross and he says, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turns and he says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. He calls him Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of heaven. Sorry, the things of men. Um, and then Jesus says, If anyone's going to come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Peter, full of sin, dull, faithless, stumbling block to Jesus. <laughs> Before. Then, it all leads up to, as we saw so well in Ben's sermon not so long ago, um, the cursing and the denying in that little courtyard with a servant girl. Surely you are the one, Peter, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself. And he swore to them, I don't know this man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken, that before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. That's Peter. That's Peter before. Okay? He would fit. In fact, we would fit in well with him because let's not think that we would be better than Peter. Even with our different personalities, it would manifest itself in different kind of ways as followers of Jesus. But think about this. He had the best disciple in the world. He had Jesus. He had the best teacher in the world. He had Jesus. He had the best shepherd in the world. He had Jesus for at least three years. We know that. And yet, sinful man, dull, faith, small, stumbling block, cursing, denying. So if you'd have just seen Peter as a snapshot in that little courtyard as Jesus is about to go to the cross, you would have gone, who, who, what? Who's this? Before and after. If his job description was faithful disciple, HR would have showed up and walked him off the premises. That's what they would have done. Before and after. But then something happens. Does anyone know what the then is? The, the, well, the cross, the resurrection, and then Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday where the Spirit is poured out in fullness and Peter becomes what he was always meant to be. Do you understand that you are just a dried, shriveled leaf if you are not in the Spirit? Because you are not what you are meant to be. You are always designed to have a massive need within you, which would be the Holy Spirit, the abiding, enlivening presence of God, the Holy Spirit. You were designed that way. That's why our lives are so pathetic when we don't have him. Not, it's not just that it's a, a nice kind of add-on. It, it is intrinsic to our 
existence, our flourishing, our human nurturing. And so Peter gets it, and he's not perfect by any means after that, but man, the trajectory goes from this to unbelievable. I encourage you this week to go through Acts and just keyword search Peter on an internet Bible or whatever and just look at each of the times Peter's mentioned in Acts. I'll just give a couple of them. In Acts 3, after Pentecost, he boldly stands up and he talks to the majority of the crowd who would have called out crucified. And he says, now let me tell you about this, Jesus, and let me tell you, you need to repent. And 3,000 come to know the Lord Jesus that day. Then, in Acts 4, remember how Jesus said, you're so dull. Now he's up against the academics of the day, the learned Pharisees who knew their Bibles, who were very intellectual, and he confounds them with the authority and the intellect of his words. And in fact, they say, by what power or name did you do this? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember Peter before? Dull, sinful, blah, blah, blah. Filled with the, filled with the Holy Spirit says, rulers and elders of the people. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God has raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Wow. Do you know, if Peter was in 2016 sitting here as a before, okay, there is, it would be so much like us all. Do you understand that? God wants us to go deeper. And you might say, well, hang on, Adrian. Pentecost has happened. The Spirit's been uh, poured out in fullness. So shouldn't we already be like that? And maybe if we're not, maybe we're not really Christians, etc., etc. So you go through all that stuff in your head. No, 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 no. Wait, remember, the sovereignty of God says that you orientate to me. And actually... Even after Pentecost, we read that when they prayed together, the Spirit came again and filled them again. So there's this ongoing ask, seek, knock. Please, Lord, bring that power, that fullness. We're asking for the fullness. It's categorically, qualitatively, and quantitatively different to your experience of God right now. And he's going to keep asking you and prompting you to go deeper. And again, this is why I say orientate, open up, obey, triple O it. Because what you're actually doing is you're depending on God. And even if you accomplish great things, you'll be going, it was the power of the Spirit. Throw that crown down. Throw that crown down at the feet of Jesus, who sent his Spirit, who so graciously gave us everything we need for life and godliness. If we stay out of the wind, if we're choked up as a fireplace or a ruptured boat, well, what happens then if we don't triple O, if we don't orientate, open up, obey? What happens to us? If we are dull, distracted, faithless, denying sometimes even. What if we don't orientate? What if we don't open up? What if we don't obey? Here's my answer. Here is my answer. Listen very carefully. Because this is what is at oftentimes the root of your helplessness, your faithlessness, your powerlessness. It is you distrust God. You distrust God to get you through. You distrust God to keep coming for you. You distrust God to truly love you. That is what is at the heart of your powerlessness. Listen carefully. This is what he says to Simon at the same time as when he predicts, this is Peter, Simon Peter, at the same time as when he predicts that Simon Peter is going to deny him. Let me read it. This will be my only answer. I'm only going to make a very short comment on this about what happens if we don't orientate, open up, obey. 
Luke 22, 31 to 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus had already looked through the corridors of time. He had seen the look on Peter's face. He had heard that. F you, Jesus. That's effectively what he said when the Greek says he was cursing. That's the same effect that it would have today. That's the same effect, guys. He's already looked through and seen that. And he's gone, I'm praying for you. So do not, do not dare to tell me that you can't have victory. And Adrian Park, next time you look at yourself in the mirror and he says, it's always going to be this way. Don't, don't you dare. Or the mirror image or your own soul says, you know what? Look at you, your failures, your trip, your stumble, your fall again. Look at you. Let me tell you, if you are not a Judas, if you have not deliberately hardened your heart to the point where you are almost irrecoverable, if you are just a Simon who just says stupid things, then denies and blah, 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 but still deep down you want, you want to change, then he is coming for you. He's praying for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, to strengthen other people. So when you have turned back in the prayer and share time at Willowburn, you come to us with a, a story of victory and you strengthen your brothers and sisters who might be struggling. Instead of waiting for me or Andrew or Ben or whoever else stands up here to try and kind of get us going, you've got something that you want to share with your brothers and sisters because it's going to encourage them. That's, what, that's how it was supposed to work with Peter. So how do I know that Jesus is going to keep coming for us? How do I know that his spirit is going to keep coming for us? Because of this before and after, okay? One more, then we finish. I could give you many. Look at John, he's a cool before and after, son of thunder, the son of love. Um, Paul, Christian killer to Christian minister. But this one, let me, let me start here. This is, a, this is a before and after that tells me that Jesus will keep coming for us that the Holy Spirit will keep prompting us to go deeper, will keep coming for us. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, the train of his robe. Let's close our eyes. train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, angelic beings, each with six wings. We don't, we don't get the grandeur and the power of this. With two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they called out, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold, threshold shook. The temple was filled with smoke. Just, just keep your eyes closed if you, if, if you don't mind. <clears throat> the second before picture I want to give you. Daniel 7. I looked. Thrones were set in place. The Ancient of Days took his feet. His clothing was, was as white as snow. The hair of his head was pure and white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. Its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. We, we see royalty sometimes with a party of 10. He has thousands upon thousands. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated. The books were open. This is a before shot, before shot. Third before shot, final before shot. A snapshot. Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord most high, the great King over all the earth. God has ascended amidst shouts of joy. The Lord amidst the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises 
For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. That is before you can open your eyes. This is after. Three before shots. And this is why I know that he will keep coming for us. Here's the after shot. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected. And we're into the aftershot, okay? Like one from, moon, from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. He was despised and rejected. This is after, after the glory of the heavenly throne room. Isaiah again, surely he took up our affirmities, yet we considered him stricken by God. He was pierced. He was crushed. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. We, like sheep, have gone astray. You know, we're those windmills, those boats, those unlit, unfanned fires. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. They came to the place called Golgotha. There they offered Jesus wine to drink. What, what were the seraphim doing right now? What were the angelic armies doing right now? Mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. So he is smashed, bruised, cut, stripped to the bone from a whip. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. No, no, no. King of the whole universe. Get it right. This is the aftershot. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. You know, Jesus went from king of glory. He went from inspiring, majestic, magnificent God to crucified. That's his before and after. Jesus so, and this is a the thing, there really is no before and after with Jesus. You know why? Because if you think about all the majesty of God and his glory, his glory is a selfless Self-giving of himself. That's his glory. All the power in the universe and beyond. And he gives of himself. That's his glory. And so there really is no before and after. What you're seeing in that throne room and then what you're seeing in majestic, magnificent love on the cross is something that angels already get. He's so special and so beautiful and so wonderful. They can't help themselves but start singing. They see it day to day. And they love it. When we think about the cross, it, I hope it pierces our heart to go, okay, I'm starting to get a little bit of that, of what the angels see. Hallelujah. Hosanna. Highly exalted is the name of Jesus. I said earlier that the wind, the fire, the water won't change their sovereign characteristics to suit the shoddiness of the wind. We move beyond the metaphor now to the person who is behind the metaphors. And we see that he comes for us in our rebellion, in our dysfunction, in our sin. While we were sinful, while we were incapacitated, while we were dysfunctional, he entered into that and he opened himself up to the worst temptations of all. 
Imagine if you got ultimate power and now soldiers are coming for you. Wouldn't you be tempted? Just to... But he didn't. He took up our infirmities instead. And so when I'm saying orientate, open up, obey, I'm not just talking about do better. I'm talking about get to know this person who is God, who is Jesus, who is the Spirit, and long for the endless, endless immensity of who he is. I want to read this quote to you again like I did last week. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and works, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Long for the immense, endless immensity of God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son. He is our God. When I'm saying to you, orientate, open up, obey in your workplace, in your school place, I am saying, long for him. What's the point otherwise? If you're just doing it so you look good, if you're just doing it so that you can go, yep, tick, I tick the before and after, who cares? Who cares? Do it for him, that he might go, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you want to go deeper? It's the second last time I'm going to ask it. Then please, please think on Jesus this week. Orientate, open up, obey. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So if you trip, stumble, fall, you know what this verse is saying? These verses are saying he's not coming to you as a master water slave to sack you or worse. He's not coming to you as a judge and the guilty, even though you are guilty. Because of what Jesus has done, he is coming to you as a father to a son, as a father to a daughter. And that actually ratchets everything way up because if he is that pleasing person, you don't want to displease him, you know? Because he's so special. Because by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It does not make you slaves again. If you have opened up and you have seen a glimpse today in your own heart, and perhaps God will show you again later in the week of a stronghold, and I know they're there, and you ignore that, you're the slave. You are the slave to that. Do you really want to be slave to whatever that master is? Or would you like God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son to be your master, to be your father? It does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Let's pray as we prepare our hearts for communion and then we'll have an opportunity just to share together in prayer, ask questions and so forth.